What is up? My name is Kevin Wu and I'm an online fitness coach who helps men in their 20s lose weight and get ass for the first time through mindset, nutrition, and training. That's enough about me. Let's get right into today's episode. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Live to Inspire podcast. Today is Tuesday. That means I hop on a Zoom call with my clients. We're discussing stress and workplace to everyday things, like how does that affect your body? How to properly track when we don't have a scale on us. I'm referring to pretty much a food scale. How does alcohol affect your fat loss? The details and language of weightlifting. What is lightweight, bro? No, I'm kidding. What is like eccentric, tempo, proper supplements, when to use them, pre and post workout meals on non workout days and during workout days. Also, how to get them back on track after like forced time off, if you go on vacation, spend some time off over there. Or like what is some things to do with joint stiffness or the use of massages, chiropractors. Let's go dive right in. All right, so let's go start with the first one over there. Probably forgot all the topics, right? I would have. <laughs> stress from workplace and just day-to-day. Like, how does that really affect your body? So stress life is very unique in this kind of aspect and affects a lot of different kind of ways. And it's pretty much more like hormonal kind of wise, right? So that being said, because stress is not like a physical thing that happens to us. It's not like, you know, we injure your arm or we break like yeah, break an arm or get hit by a bus or something like that. It's just something that we kind of feel in this aspect. So it's very unique and I find it fascinating. I'm studying this stuff. All right. So physically on the cardiovascular side, just like your heart health, uh, it kind of releases like a stress kind of cortisol and adrenaline. So both these things are going to increase your baseline heart rate and your blood pressure. And those are not great things if you do have a baseline increase. That baseline means your body's gonna be working a lot harder, even at rest. And both of those can either lead to hypertension with also like heart disease in the long run if it's like very chronic. So if you experience stress for a very long time, and that kind of aspect. And that digestive standpoint, with that increased heart rate, blood pressure to as well, it's gonna lead to digestive issues. So maybe constipation. Diarrhea and IBS can potentially lead to that too as well. So it affects those ones one-to-one. And your immune system can weaken too as well. So more susceptible to getting sick. You might notice that, let's say, if you worked, I don't know, eight hours, like every single day, seven days a week, a lot with overtime too as well. You're constantly working and you're really home for a period of time. Then after maybe like two weeks after that, a little burst you did for maybe months on end, you get sick, but you never usually get sick. That's kind of the reason why. Usually in the moment itself of that period of stress, you're probably not going to get sick. But once your body is like right out of that, you probably notice yourself kind of get that sickness right over there. It's pretty cool because your body can really pull through in those times. Once right after that, it's like kind of recovering and being sick. Uh, it's one way of recovering from that. Also, your sleep during the stress is can be disrupted. It's like insomnia, poor sleep quality, where you just wake up a lot, can't fall asleep. That's a really big one for a lot of people, uh, which is basically you know kind of insomnia parts. And we all know sleep is very crucial for recovery and like you know hormones regulating your appetites. And it can lead to weight gain too as well with that extra cortisol because a lot of people make unhealthy food choices or when they're stressed, they tend to use food as like something comforting, right? So. With that being said, something comforting might be like a pizza, might be a burger, might be some donuts over there. And those higher calorie foods are making us better feel temporarily during a stress time can lead to weight gain, right? And especially on like a lack of what we call control of it, right? So we're just eating a whole pizza 
instead of like two slices in that aspect because you're not really paying attention to your appetite but you're just trying to eat it to numb that feeling of the underlying cause right so it's more deep rooted stuff also skin too as well with eating all those you know unhealthier foods pizza burgers donuts can lead to like more acne and that stuff but even stress itself on this kind of aspect, the hormones releases can exaggerate symptoms like acne, eczema on that kind of end. So stress is very unique in what it really does to your body. Now, there's also good stress to as well, like, you know, working out is technically a stress, is a physical stress that's actually good for a body. We're talking about this person specify like that stress, like workplace, the data things like, I don't know, I think a lot of people kind of experience uh, stress from like work-wise or relationship-wise, maybe it's with your significant other, your girlfriend, or, or yeah, here's like the boss or something at work. Those are usually the most kind of common forms of stress on their kind of end. Or, yeah, yeah, pretty much those ones. All right, so how to properly track we don't have a scale on us. So I'm guessing this person is referring to like a food scale. Well, I always really take my food scale pretty much whenever I go. If you don't, you could eyeball it. That's method number one. So if you've been using the same meals, same meal plan, you might have a decent idea of what it kind of looks like for those meals that you had before or what 200 grams of chicken breast might look like. And that can ask like what 10 grams of almond butter might look like. If you're really, you know, new to it, maybe not in this kind of aspect. So method two could be like hand sizes. So my hand sizes is using your fist as like a protein size. This is what I learned from my precision nutrition course itself. I was concerned for that one. They use like hand sizes in this kind of aspect. So referring to your fist, making a fist, and that'd be like a protein source, right? That's what you want on your plates. Uh, your carb source would be size of your palm. So let's say you have a palm size of rice over there or some sweet potatoes and thumbs would be your fat. So that'd be like your almond butter, your oils, your butter, or avocado, something like that. You want a hand size of a vegetable, right? So that being said, I get that hand size is a little different because it's very generic overall kind of advice. And as your, I've tried to you have a bigger hand size, you're probably a bigger human being too as well. And that's kind of kind of correlate over. Now, if you generally have a higher protein to as well kind of diet, or need more protein, you probably need two fists of the protein. That's probably what I recommend and keeping all those variables the same kind of over there. Now, obviously your protein macros, car proteins, fats, and carbs are gonna be independent from person to person. So you might have to play around with those kind of hand sizes. But also in the day, all we have the English meal plan. And if you could eyeball it too as well, it could help out, right? Just based off your previous meals and you following the meal plan, seeing what 200 grams of chicken must look like, or what 150 grams of rice looks like on this kind of aspect. I know it might not be perfect, but with that being said, it is a way to track we don't have a skill on this, right? All right, so how does alcohol affect fat loss? Now I got a shit ton of alcohol at home right now, um, but it's been sitting here since what, I haven't touched the alcohol in six years now. So it's just kind of sitting as decor and people ask me about it all the time, but yeah, I like it, it's just decor. Because uh, I don't drink. So there was a time where I was literally buying a bottle every single week, and that's why I have so much alcohol. And then I just cut cold turkey, and hence why I have all this alcohol. <laughs> so one gram of alcohol is seven calories, and the extra calories is what contributes to the weight gain. It's not just directly alcohol in itself, it's the calories in the alcohol, but also the decisions and what it is to your body too as well. Kind of contributes on top of that one. 
on adding in like salt to it kind of thing. So when by adding salt to the moon, your metabolism when you consume alcohol, it basically is a very unique because when your body consumes the alcohol, it's it's toxic. It wants to get rid of it right away. So even if you had let's say chicken, rice, and like broccoli and some almond butter on top of that or something like that right before it and you drink the alcohol, your body's going to metabolize and digest the alcohol first. So that protein, like chicken carbs, fats, everything like that, even if you ate like 30 minutes ago and all of a sudden you drink alcohol, it's going to stop digesting all that stuff and start start digesting that alcohol, right? So what this could mean though, is that food consumed with your alcohol is can be more likely stored as fat because your body is busy processing, digesting this alcohol, right? Because your body's goal is to metabolize and get over with which is why, you know, you might kind of feel drunk first, but then, you know, you don't feel drunk afterwards because your body metabolizes. Or if you're feeling tipsy, if you don't feel tipsy, it's because your body metabolizes and finishes metabolizing it, which is also very unique because when you first drink it, it starts metabolizing right away, right? So hopefully that kind of makes sense on that kind of aspect. And that appetite and food poor, food, poor food choices is the big one. Right. I know a lot of people like to go, for example, after they drink or go to clubs, they're like, they get the drunk food. <laughs> I figured out what drunk food was and from a lot of my friends, but also in one particular instance, like I remember when I was in Houston, Texas back in January. So what is that? Like seven months ago, six months ago or something like that. I went to like the clubs with my friends that I never met there before. I crashed at his place. He was like a, an influencer guy. And we went clubbing. He drove me. And then like I pointed out as we were driving, I'm like, oh, you guys have uh, I think it was like a Whataburger or something like that. I'm like, oh, I heard great things about that. He was like, oh, no, that's a drunk food spot. I'm like, what's a drunk food spot? And he was like, uh, when you're drunk, you go there and it tastes better. I'm like, okay. So uh, he did end up getting drunk too as well. One other buddy had to sober and drink. They end up going to the Wobble Burger with the um, itself when you're ordering a lot of food. He's like, man, this tastes so good. That's pretty funny to watch them. But yeah, so you might know a lot of people who go to McDonald's or like Denny's or something like that after typical drunk food and make choices that they normally wouldn't make, right? So eating a lot more food itself. And with the alcohol, remember, it's trying to burn off the alcohol first, your body always, but also poor food choices, which is usually very calorie-dense foods itself, like, you know, a lot of McNuggets, either chicken McNuggets, a Big Mac or something like that. It's very high calorie-dense. The combination of both is not great for your fat loss, right? You could definitely throw it off for a week over there. But also on top of this one, it can instruct your hormone levels, like insulin and testosterone, which can promote fat storage. And it's very often referred to as like the beer belly because it could, you know, when you have disrupted insulin levels, it's going to particularly store more fat usually around your waist over there. That's more due to the insulin components on that kind of aspect. But when testosterone's down to as well, um, your abilities to grow muscle is very low and it affects a lot of other things like your libido, like your sex drive over there. So not very great, this kind of aspect dehydration to as well so some people if you drink like tequila something very kind of hard in this aspect they take a shard too the next morning you're probably gonna notice yourself look leaner because it's fair to be diuretic basically means gonna really expel dehydrate your body but if you're having like beers and stuff like that uh, or more sugar kind of drinks mixes and more and more more mixes and like yeah usually beer you're gonna feel more bloating 
right? So it make you feel like you're more fat, right? But it's actually just masking your fat loss progress because you're more bloated over there and it can throw you off momentum, right? So you all probably experienced that one itself when you feel bloated. You're like, shit, it's like, you know, I don't feel like I'm making progress. I don't feel like, you know, I kind of backtracked over there. So mentally it can affect that. Also sleep-wise, it's definitely affect your sleep-wise, not in a good way. You might fall asleep kind of faster, but the sleep cycles when we go through is like REM sleep, deep sleep, and a whole bunch of other ones over there. Um, low frequency sleep, that's going to affect those ones and your recovery, your body's ability to recover on that kind of side, right? Now, with that being said, it's also compare your work performance. Like the next day, let's say you go to the gym and you have a hangover or you just kind of go in general. Remember one, usually it's a diuretic to as well. So it's going to spell a lot of water and when we're dehydrated, the work performance is going to go down. So in that case scenario, it's going to impair your work performance. You know, usually you're usually going to be a lot weaker to as well. If you guys were once to gym hungover, I did before and it's the worst thing. I feel so much weaker. You just don't feel like being there and everything's so much harder. Um, so yeah, not very great overall alcohol for your goals. Now you don't have to eliminate it all completely, but you definitely should limit that when you're trying to really lose that fat. You know, having like a beer or two, like you know, once or twice a week wouldn't be the worst thing over there and applying it within meal plans or when you are going to have that, you might want to dial back some carbs or some fat in your actual meal plan itself to make it fit in um, in like a social setting, right? So that being said, I personally chose to eliminate that out of my kind of life itself, uh, more of a personal choice. I don't really feel like I need alcohol to be more social or just have fun. I know a lot of people feel like they need that. And that was a really big thing I noticed when I was like traveling around the world. So I went to like 21 countries now and everybody else would be drinking too as well. And then you know, everybody always comments on like, well, it's like, hey, do you want something to drink? Or hey, do you want, you know, like a beer or something like that? I'm like, no, I don't drink. And then they're like, oh, I can do that. Or they always ask like, how do you have fun? And I personally don't feel like I need alcohol to have fun because I just, you know, I generally, you know, like um, just being with people socializing and that kind of aspect, I don't need that to like be more extrovert or be that different person because that call definitely changes kind of who you are over there on that aspect all right some details language of weightlifting what is eccentric tempo and what does it do to your muscle so i can give you like a few chances itself probably know most of these ones so rep is short form for repetition basically form the exercise for one time yeah. example like 10 to 12 reps a set is a series of reps so like three sets of 10 to 12 Right, so you're doing three sets, basically group of the 10 to 12 reps three times over. Right, the number five of that dictates that one. Tempo is how fast or slow you perform a rep. Right, so this is usually formatted with some like numbers and some semicolons. I have me on the screen over here in my notes. You guys can see this one's usually four numbers. It's like first, second, third, and fourth number over there. And the first number is usually referred to as the eccentric. So this is referred to as a negative also, is when you lengthen um, the muscle. So in a bicep curl, it'd be on the way down. Like, because on if you even pull your arm, do a bicep curl right now, you're going to feel your bicep lengthen, right? So on a bench press, it'd be lowering the weight down itself, right? Because you're lengthening that chest. Right, so it's going further apart from the insert and origin if you go more scientific way. But basically, it's kind of you're feeling like a stretch of that muscle. That's all you can also think about too as well, because when you kind of curl up, you don't feel a stretch of the muscle. You feel contract, 
right? But if you go down, you're going to feel the muscles stretch out. So you can refer to a stretch that helps you out. And if the number is, let's just say three on the first number, that means you're going three seconds on the way down, right? Because the first number, like I mentioned earlier, it's better to have a visual on this one when we're doing podcasts. Um, so yeah. Concentric is basically when you contract the muscle. It's like in the bicep probe example, if you curl up with a weight, you're thinking of bicep contract. Like when people ask you to flex your bicep, that's exactly what it is. It's contracting, flex, contract, same verbiage, same words over there. So it's usually on the way up. So the bench press, for example, is when you press up because you're squeezing that chest muscle, squeeze, contract, same kind of verbiage too as well. And it's usually a third number when you look at a tempo. So in the four numbers over there, and if you have a three, zero, one, zero, for example, then the third number was a one. And an example over there, you press up for a count of one, right? So you go one Mississippi when you're pressing up on that kind of end. All right, proper supplements and when to use them for today. Take them over there, this aspect. So standard five, I pretty much recommend for pretty much anybody. So multivitamins, protein powder, creatine, potassium, magnesium. Yeah, multivitamins and fish oils I would take with the first meal. Protein power doesn't really matter as long as you kind of get the total daily protein intake in. Creatine, I would usually personally do it post-workout itself. doesn't really matter as long as you get in throughout the day, uh, whatever is most convenient and you can really remember with. Multivitamins didn't really matter. Fish oils didn't really matter too as well, but the first meal makes it a lot easier to make sure you don't forget throughout the day. And we need some glycosinates. You generally want to use it before bed because have a little more kind of calming effect too as well and help your sleep and your sleep quality. Um, so those ones are the top five I'd recommend over there. Now, pre-post-workout meals. I'm guessing this person, because this one didn't really specify much or give much information. So I'm thinking about this person referring to the pre-post-workout meal meals in the meal plan. So for all the clients over here on the Zoom and listening to the podcast, you'll have pretty much meal plan like created for you. It's different for everybody. And the pre-workout, so post-workout meals are only on your workout days. Now, if you really want to have that same meal on your off day, like your non-workout days, you could too as well. It's just designed to be digested quicker and easier for the purpose of getting more energy in the next like 69 minutes, right? So that's really the purpose of that one over there. Now, if you do have something like that too as well on your rest day, you might notice yourself getting a little bit more hungry sooner, right? Because like I mentioned, easier is designed to be digested quicker and easier for the purpose of getting more energy in the next 69 minutes, right? Not sustaining kind of energy or make you feel fuller for longer. So if you do choose to have it on your normal days, you just might be a little hungrier for sooner. That makes sense on that kind of aspect. All right, so getting back on track after fourth time off, we're dealing with joint stiffness, what it, like what to use massages, chiropractors, alignments in the body and that stuff. So when you kind of get back into working out, especially when you have some time off, usually you don't want to just jump back to 100% of like the working kind of weight or pretty much what you're doing over there. It depends on how long you have time off to as well. Now, if it's like, you know, like one week, it's whatever, two weeks, Kind of like whatever too as well but generally like three weeks are kind of longer kind of gradually want to get back to maybe you're doing like 70 percent or no 80 percent of what you kind of normally did itself on this kind of aspect or if you took really longer time off itself like months on end you probably have to dial back in the volume even more itself so like my sets or exercise doing your routine in this kind of aspect 
and the mobility and flexibility wise is going to definitely help with joint stiffness because if you guys can't really move in different directions or limited on that one you're going to feel very stiff and also more yeah pretty much just more stiff on this kind of aspect so incorporating some dynamic stretching or like some yoga itself foam rolling can definitely kind of help on that range of motion if you guys really want to do that one and listening to your body is going to be very important for pain or discomfort so you have to realize to muscular pain like you know burn on a leg extension over there like doesn't even make sense today freaking burned a lot but also like different kinds of pain like might be like just like knee pain over there or some other pain that like you pulling like a muscle right so you have to really learn to distinguish between those ones that might take a little while on that kind of aspect to, to determine which pain is different on their own end and obviously you break your arm that's gonna be a lot different pain than doing a bicep curl so hopefully you realize that pain is pretty different and you definitely want to stop the exercise if you're feeling the ladder so if you know something you're really off doesn't feel like burn on the bicep or like burn on the leg or something that's what you normally feel you might just want to stop over there if something doesn't you feel a different kind of pain now with that chiropractor care chiropractors usually kind of help with alignment so like spinal alignments or muscle imbalances over there that's what you just help with physical therapists usually help alignments too as well but give you exercises stretches to help those chiropractors just kind of snap you in place all at once for that moment or it might help for like a week or two you have to go back but physical therapy usually helps exercise to help that long-term side of things so you don't have to go back the massage therapists usually help with releasing muscles, tensions, and improving blood circulations over there. So I personally actually never seen a physical therapist or a chiropractor in my life. My brother is a physical therapist though, and he did needling on me uh, once on my calves when I was in Australia, which is like a year and a half ago now. Yeah, a year and a half ago. And my God, my calves were so tight and they're spasming like this with the needles he's jamming in them. He said like he never seen calves so tight in his life and he was generally worried. It's pretty funny and it hurt like hell. I'll say that much. But other than that, that is the end of the podcast episode. Let me go stop this. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Live to Inspire podcast. The number one podcast for men in the 20s trying to lose weight and get abs the first time. My mission is to inspire others to be the best version of themselves through fitness. So, if you guys are tuning into this episode and want to lose weight and get your abs showing for the very first time, then DM me the words abs on Instagram at KevinWu underscore. That is K-E-B-I-N-W-U-W-U underscore. And we'll have a chat whether or not I can help you out lose that weight to get your abs showing for the first time. That is the ending of today's episode of the Live to Inspire podcast. If you learned something today, then make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on an episode. Also, if you leave a written review on this podcast, that'd be greatly appreciated because that pushes this podcast to more people just like you.